Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We welcome you to this celebration of life service for baby Madeline Marie Thompson. My name is Robert Elliott, and I serve as the senior pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And Ron, Jr., and Andrea, my wife Beth, and I express our heartfelt condolences to you in this time of loss. You have many brothers and sisters in Christ all over this island that are praying with you. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let this little child come in. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we know that on February the 3rd, you opened heaven's gate for baby Madeline to come in to be with you forever. Please encourage and comfort us in the knowledge that you are wonderfully caring for precious little Madeline and that we can see her again for a forever hello, which will have no goodbye. I ask that the Holy Spirit who gives us encouragement and good hope and is inside every born-again Christian will grant to us God's comfort and hope now. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to look beyond the visible, for it is only temporary, to look at the invisible, for it is eternal. Lord, we would trust in you with all of our hearts, and we would not lean merely on our own understandings. Lord, in all of our ways, we would acknowledge you. And in so doing, Lord, we expect you to direct our paths right to Christ, who is Lord and Savior, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who is the good shepherd, and who is raised to life after death. We pray these things in that wonderful Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing at this time as a congregation. The Lord is on thy side. And Ron and Andrew, may you live with that truth um, today and in the days ahead. And all now mysterious shall be bright at last. We don't understand all, but we know that the Lord does, and we can trust in him. Our first hymn today is number 570 in the hymn book. Would you please uh, turn there? And let us stand together as we sing, Be Still My Soul, and the immediate family may remain seated. 570. Be still my soul, the Lord is on thy side. The cross of grief or pain Leave to thy God to order and provide In every change faithful will remain Yes. 
shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who Sydney will come and share a portion in this service. Thank you. Please follow in your program as we read the obituary. Madeline gained her wings on February the 3rd, 2016. She is survived by her parents, Ronald Ednold Thompson, Jr. and Andrea Ellen Estep Thompson. Grandparents, Ronald and Bonnie Thompson, William and Gretchen Estep. Great-grandparents, Billy Sands, Joseph Estep, Fred and Nancy Wolf, many other family members and friends. Loved ones gone before her include Pauline Thompson, Vady Sands, Richard Bays, and Marvis Bays Anderson. We read the 23rd Psalm, perhaps the most familiar and well-known scripture in, in, the, in the Bible itself. 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And then you can follow the poems in the program. 
The first one is from daddy to daddy's little girl. This poem I write for my precious girl to let you know that you are my world. Times like this remind us that life is not fair. This world filled with dead ends and despair. Daddy wishes he had more time with you, but the good Lord said your time was due. The first time I saw you, I'll never forget. Proudest moment of my life with not a single regret. I know you are up there with Nana and Grandma, smiling down on Mommy and me. It's hard to understand, but now you are free. Just know Daddy and Mommy love you with all of our being. These tough times in life, we wish seeing wasn't believing. Daddy might not be the best poet, but my love for you, I will always show it. This I write for precious little Maddie. Until we meet again, my princess, be good for daddy. And then for mom, Madeline, my perfect little angel, in every single way, you took my heart with you the day you went away. I'll cherish every snuggle and kiss I was able to give. I'll remember how hard you fought for us because we wanted you to live. Your mommy's a little fighter and I couldn't be more proud. I know you had to go though when the Lord called your name out loud. Watch over us from heaven and know we miss you so. You're still the best gift ever and we'll never let you go. Cuddles in heaven. We had so little time to share. Too soon I had to live. I know how much you love me. I know how much you grieve. I know how sharp your pain is. I feel the aching in your hearts. My life so quickly ended before it barely had a start. I remember how you held me and kissed my face and hands. You cuddled me so gently, but God had other plans. I was your perfect angel. From God, you knew I came. Suddenly, he called me home again, and now God holds my hand. I know you'll always miss me. I understand your pain is hard to bear. Just remember that I'm in heaven and we'll see each other there. So smile when you think of me and wipe away all of your tears. I'm cuddled now in heaven by our family members here. I'm waiting here in heaven, and on the day we meet again, I'll be the first to smile and greet you when God calls you home to him. If I can share my imagination, I think 
I can see a tear running down the face of Jesus who loves and cares so much. God be with you. Just beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Brother Sidney Pinder. Another well-known verse in the New Testament is Romans chapter 8, which in verse 28 in particular, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When I first met Ron and Andrea and family, the Lord led me to share a personal story with a view to trying to encourage and comfort. And they've asked me to repeat that story in Madeline's service. I'm the eldest child to my parents. And there's our second child only lived for 14 days. She never got home from the hospital. Her name was Janet. In the course of life, my parents had religion. They were in a liberal, a Bible-discounting church. My dad was an elder. And I was in a nursery school as a young fella. And the lady who ran the nursery school was a born-again believer. Her circumstances had a shocking change. She had five children under the age of 16, a stable marriage, happy marriage. Her husband, Lee, owned two car dealerships. They were doing fine financially. Responsibly, Lee had a lot of life insurance, and he was killed in an auto wreck. Due to some policy loophole, the insurance carrier paid Mrs. Clements not one dime of death benefit. And so she went from being comfortable, a stay-at-home mom, to having to raise five children without a job at first. She asked her Baptist church if she could start a nursery school in the basement, and they agreed. And it was in that nursery school that I was enrolled. My parents knew there was something different about Mrs. Clements. They knew she was a woman of faith, and she had something that was attractive. And when Janet was born, leading up to the time of her birth, Mrs. Clements would ask me, how is your baby? And I would say, she's sick. How is your baby doing? She's not home from the hospital. How is your baby doing? She went to be with Jesus last night. And Mrs. Clements being a woman of compassion and prayer, went even more to the Lord in prayer for our family, my parents and me. And she was teaching a children's Bible class, Mrs. Clements was, and she asked my mother to come and help. My mother said, I was raised in the church all my life, but I don't know the Bible well enough even to teach it to children. And Mrs. Clements, with her sense of humor, said, I'm not asking you to teach the Bible. I'm asking you to come to be crowd control." And so my mother sat in that Bible club, and at child's level, she heard the way of salvation, that Jesus died for sins, rose from the dead, and offered the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life to any who would transfer their trust completely to him. And one night alone, when my father was out at a church meeting, my mother did that. She trusted Jesus to be her Lord and Savior. My father came home from the church meeting, and she told my dad with great exuberance, and he said, that's nice for you, Mary, but I don't need that. I've never done that much wrong. I'm a leader in the community, the business community, and I'm fine, but I'm happy for you. And so my mother, some months passed, and she wanted to invite a Bible club for children into our home and ask my father's permission, and he agreed. And right there in the garage of my home as a young lad, I heard the same truth again. Jesus loves sinners. He's died in their place. He offers forgiveness of sin by the shedding of his blood. He's alive from the dead, and if we trust him and only him, we're forgiven and given a home of heaven as a gift. And just in the best way I knew how, as a four-and-a-half-year-old, I wasn't genius then, I'm not genius now, I knew that I deserved a spanking because I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus took my spanking for me, and I just trusted him as a child to be my Savior. About six months later, God saved my dad 
And then God gave my parents another daughter, Mary, three years after Janet's passing. My sister Mary came to know Christ in due time as Savior. Then another girl was born, Ellie, and Ellie has come to know Christ as Savior. And so what we have in our family is the living out of Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And we can take God at his word that we don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know what, but one day God is going to work good out of this very big sorrow and trial. Nothing I could say today would be of the same comfort as what God has already said in his word. And I want to read several passages with you this afternoon. I'd like you to let God's word wash over you without distraction. The God who cannot lie has said many precious things to us in his word. In Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. He will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And then the prophet Isaiah, in the 55th chapter, beginning to read at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then a well-loved New Testament passage in Philippians chapter 4, and as I'm turning there, may I remind you that Paul was imprisoned for the gospel as he wrote under inspiration these verses. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. And then... In the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, we get a glimpse into the Savior's love for children. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 13, we read, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Going back to Romans 8. Beginning to read at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing 
of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Skipping down to verse 24. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, not any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then going back to the Gospel of John, The Gospel of John. Jesus had been telling his disciples for a long time that he was going to the cross to pay for the world's sin, but they didn't get it. They didn't want to get it, I guess. And just before going to the cross, he said to his closest followers what we need to cling on to this afternoon. Jesus' words, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but except through me. And then we don't have a lot of glimpses into heaven, but we have enough glimpses that the Lord wanted us to have here on earth. And what we see is so precious. Madeline's new home. Revelation 21, 1 to 7. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning, M-O-U-R-N, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring 
of water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then our last passage, the last chapter of God's word, Revelation 22, 1 through 3. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming down from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Amen. The word of the God who cannot lie. As hard as funerals are, they serve several important purposes, one of which being that we are not alone in our grief. Family, friends, coworkers are with us in our grief. But most importantly, God is with us in our grief. In the next few minutes, I want us to see some very comforting truths about our Lord. And these four truths are found in Psalm 139. The first truth about our Lord is God is our counselor. God is our counselor. I see this in the first six verses of Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Please listen to all the verbs in those six verses. As our perfect counselor, God searches us, knows us, understands us, comprehends us, is acquainted with us, hedges us in for safety and guidance. That's a counselor. This is a poor and faulty illustration. But I was at a Bible conference ground in Canada teaching God's word one summer. And there was a man who had a a limp to his gait and he had a little dog on a harness. The dog came to the dining room. The dog came to the Bible meetings. The dog went to his dorm. The dog walked on the conference grounds everywhere the man went. And finally, in chatting with him, I said, tell me about your dog. And he said, this is a special dog. There's only five of these dogs in Canada. That got my interest. This dog, he went on to tell me, is trained. I have a medical condition that I have seizures. And if I have a big enough seizure, I will die. This dog is trained to sense when I'm going to have a seizure before I know I'm going to have a seizure. And he goes down on his belly, puts his head on the ground to warn me that I need to get down on the ground because a seizure is coming. It's amazing. God is infinitely more precious and wise than that wise little dog. God is our counselor. But there's more. God is also our companion. I see this in verses 7 to 12. Where can I go from thy spirit? Where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, a Hebrew way of saying the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. 
God is our companion. In the person of the Holy Spirit, our God is constantly with us. Actually, for the believer in Jesus, our God is constantly in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit when we are saved. We are the sanctuary of God when we are born again. This is a lovely sanctuary. We're grateful. But when the last believer leaves this sanctuary, God is no longer present in the sanctuary. God presents himself in the born-again believer. God is our companion, our constant companion. Ron and Andrea, properly, you will dearly hold baby Madeline in your hearts forever, all of your remaining days on earth. Her memory will never be forgotten. Please remember that God who gave Madeline will accompany you all the days leading up to your seeing her again. Yes, we see in Psalm 139, 7 to 12, that as your nonstop companion, the Holy Spirit will lead you. I see that in verse 10. Even there, thy hand will lead me. But there's more. Constant companion, the Holy Spirit, thy right hand will lay hold of me. We had a unique privilege when my son was about seven. He's now 18. At This week, he turned 18. We were in Ottawa, the nation's capital, Canada's nation's capital, and Queen Elizabeth was in Ottawa, and the crowds were immense. We were like this, and everybody was like this. And my son started to get claustrophobic and scared, and he was crying. And so I laid hold of him. (laughs) I took him by the hand, tight, and I said, coming through, troubled child, coming through, troubled child, the Holy Spirit of God takes us by the hand and holds us through everything. We've seen God as our counselor in verses 1 to 6. We've seen that God is our companion in verses 7 to 12. In third place, God is our creator. You know, it's only evil people who debate when human babies become people. God is very clear. Life begins at conception. God gives the gift of life at conception. Verses 13 to the first part of 16. For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. That's a figure of speech for the womb. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance. God, creator, creates babies at conception. God made baby Madeline, giving her a spirit, giving her a soul, and giving her a body. And when Madeline's little body stopped working, her spirit and her soul were dismissed immediately to go to be with Jesus in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Of course, the timing of that dismissal of soul and spirit totally surprised us. The shortness of her life on earth did not, however, sneak up on loving, sovereign God. The second part of verse 16, and in thy book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. By faith in the Lord, we conclude that Madeline's short life has at least 10 concrete purposes. Number one, it reminds us that life is precious. Number two, it instructs us that life is fragile. Number three, it proves to us that all of life, however long, is very short compared to eternity. It will give these precious parents in due time a testimony 
Only God can make a testimony out of a trial. Her short life instructs us that being grateful is a here and now, not a later thing. She has helped us relate to God the Father's grief when he watched his only son die for our sins on the cross. By bringing people here today together, I believe that some will come to saving faith in Christ who may not have that salvation yet. And the tenth and last purpose that occurred to me is that she reminds us that life is a miracle. My mother tells me that when the OBGYN delivered me, he was not a believer, but he said, every baby is a miracle. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that we know how bad we are and how good God is. It means we understand that we have fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It'd be like trying to throw a baseball to Abaco from here. Some of the young men present here today would outthrow me, and I might outthrow someone here, but none of us would hit Abaco. It's too far away. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news, but that bad news gets worse because God says we earn a paycheck for falling short of his glory in sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, separation. My first job was in the mailroom. I was 16 years old, mailroom of a corporation. I, had, <laughs> I was so novice. But every two weeks, they handed me a piece of paper with figures on it and signatures. It was my paycheck. And although I was appreciative, I never said to the person who handed me my paycheck, thank you for the favor. No, because I had worked. I had earned wages. God says the wages we earn for falling short of his perfection is death. That's bad news. We all fall short. We earn separation. Good news of the Bible. God loves people who fall short. God loves sinners. He's proven it by sending his only son to die in the place of sinners on the cross, to shed his blood, to wash sinners' sins awake permanently. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. I mentioned my 18-year-old son. There are people in this sanctuary I love, I know and love, but I wouldn't let my son die for any of you. I'm sorry. God had one son. And based on his love for sinners, he let, he instructed, he sent his son to die for us. That's good news. And just like the bad news got worse, the good news gets better because not, not only is it that God loves sinners, but God gives forgiveness in heaven as gifts. You can't earn them. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one will boast. No one will be in heaven saying, I had perfect attendance in Sunday school and I gave to charities. That's boasting. Everybody in heaven will say, I was a rebel, undeserving of heaven, and God gave it to me because Jesus paid for it. When our daughter, who's now 22, was five, she said, Daddy, what's a gift certificate? Ever tried to explain a gift certificate to a five-year-old? It's hard. So I thought about it. I said, Joanna, a gift certificate is you getting everything that someone else paid for. That's salvation. If you've never transferred your trust from being good, being religious, or anything else, your family pedigree, onto Jesus alone, you're not yet saved, but you could trust him alone and see Madeline again. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we've seen in this precious psalm that God is counselor, God is companion, God is creator. Fourth and last, God is caregiver. God is caregiver, 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. God is caregiver. Ron and Andrea, imagine each and every day 
God's thoughts toward you are innumerable. Like the grains of sand on all the beaches of the world, you couldn't count them. God's thoughts toward you in love, you can't count them every day. Every day. That is caregiving. When you know that kind of God cares in that deep a way, you don't need an NIV number to get his attention. You don't need a membership card. You don't need a driver's license number. You don't need photo ID. You don't need a password or a PIN number. You don't need a reference letter to get God's attention and help. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. God's care is so mammoth that we press into him. We run to him. We wait on him. We trust him. We love him. If any of us were to ask God, how much do you care about me? God would point to Jesus on the cross and he would say, this much. There was a little girl who was terminally ill. She knew that she was and her parents knew that she was. And she suffered a lot of pain before she went to heaven. And her parents had taught her that when she was experiencing pain, she could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Her parents so wanted to be with her when she was promoted to heaven, but they weren't. And when they came to her room, her lifeless body, she was holding her thumb. The Lord is my shepherd caretaker, caregiver. What a God we love. What a God we trust. What a God we serve. The true, the living God, the gracious, the loving God who is counselor, companion, creator, and caregiver. Wow. Away in a manger. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay, my, stay by my side until morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Gracious God, we thank you for the fact that you are our counselor, our companion, our creator, and our caregiver Wrap your loving arms around Ron and Andrea all of their days. Give them grace for the moments. Bless them. Before we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing again. Please turn to number 236, 236, and I invite you again to stand for the singing of this hymn.
Jesus said all of the following, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Friends, as we have gathered to lay to rest, dear baby Madeline Marie Thompson's earthly house, to its final resting place, I want to remind us that our gathering at this time of committal is not in vain. For we have gathered here on the basis of a forever sure and certain hope, which is anchored to the word of the true and living God. I want to share one more passage of that word with you now. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest to have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Inasmuch as it pleased our Lord and Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love, 
we commit her earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, a place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day when the treasure we now deposit into a vault for safekeeping is transformed and raised imperishable and glorified. Please bow in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, all that hands could do have we done. Where we leave off, do you take up and take care? Watch over the hallowed place in holy remembrance until the promised resurrection. Bless the family that remains on earth. Secure them by your love. Instruct them by your word. Comfort them by your promises. Sustain them by your grace. Encourage them by your people. Warm them by the memories they hold dear. Heal them by your touch. Guide them by your Holy Spirit. Save them by your sacrifice. Precious Lord Jesus, send us away now to our homes and to the work that awaits us. In your love and in your dear name, amen. Mm-hmm.